We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Hello and welcome into Mizzou That's Who, your podcast for Mizzou Athletics here on the KC Sports Network. As always, I'm joined by Gabe DeArmond and Maggie Johnson. We're talking about a Mizzou victory. Tigers get back to four and four on the year. Got themselves a little winning streak going on. Two straight wins uh, for the Missouri Tigers as they get two straight conference wins. And a win against a top 25 team. Doesn't matter that they were number 25. Still a top 25 win. Uh, good game for uh, Eli Drinkwitz and the fellas. Gabe, how are you doing? How was your weekend? I'm good. Um, it, it was a nice, relatively, you know, drama-free game. Um, you'd think the message boards would be drama-free, but then you wouldn't be very familiar with message boards, would you? Very much so. Uh, message boards always going nuts. Maggie, how are you? How was your weekend? Uh, how was your experience? Um, my weekend was great. I was actually, I and I know that people are not supposed to schedule fall weddings, um, but I had a good friend that got married in Estes Park, Colorado this weekend. So I was actually at the wedding um, and he had an unplugged ceremony and it was in the fourth quarter. So, you know, I had to keep up with those things. Uh, it was pretty crazy, but uh, right as soon as it was over, you know, I turned those notifications back on and it uh, said that we had come out on top. So I was uh, pretty stoked. It made my night and reception way better, you know. Of course, it's a lot easier to 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 go to a wedding reception uh, with a Mizzou victory. I think that happened to me last year. It was the Kentucky game, but that happened with me too. So I was couldn't watch the game for some reason. Like it wouldn't load on my phone. I could only get like the ESPN GameCast, and following the GameCast for that game was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so it was just like I was very confused what was happening. Um, but yes, no, I think we've all been there in those fall weddings. It's just like, man, why are you scheduling a fall wedding? I've told, my I think this was Sarah. my, I think this was my first win during a fall wedding because I had a fall wedding during that Indiana game back in like 2014. And that was brutal. I mean, that ruined my entire night. So, um, getting the win and like, he's a huge Mizzou fan and like all of his tables, like our table was called Harpo's and things like that. So it was, it was a good way to like incorporate Mizzou and stuff go. like that to it. 23 to 10 was the uh, score, final score of the game. Um, a performance where I wondered what happened to the offense, as in what happened to the Mizzou offense and, and where did they go? Like, who is, who's playing offense for Missouri right now? Because Brady Cook, 224 yards through the air, 17 to 26. No touchdowns, but I think the big one, no interceptions. Um, that was big. Brady Cook played well. And I think I tweeted out something like, if you're going to praise, uh, the defense, you got to praise Brady Cook as well uh, because he, he the offense was kind of the difference maker in this game. They didn't make any mistakes. That's that's all it is. I mean, they still they scored twenty three points. It wasn't like it wasn't dynamic. You know that was I looked at it. Their yardage was three yards more than their season average. Their points was exactly on their season average. They just didn't hand South Carolina points. I, I and. Like, I don't mean that to sound, and they can win a lot of games that way. Drinkwitz said that. Hey, what do you have to do? We just have to quit killing ourselves, basically. 
And they did. And they won the game. I think Brady Cook finally was the game manager that we like expected him to be. And I think he ran the game smoothly. I mean, he, we didn't give him away the game. We got bailed out of, uh, you know, with a pass, with a, a pass interference call uh, on a pick he threw. But other than that, I mean, the line played probably their best game of the year. What, uh, Brady put the ball where it was supposed to be. So Dom Lovett was making amazing catches. Uh, Barrett Bannister, it was great to see him back and making those big conversions. So I really think that they just did what they were supposed to do. And when you do what you're supposed to do, you might not win big, but you typically will win. Yeah, you beat teams you're supposed to beat. And I really think that this was probably a team Missouri should have beat. Uh, Spencer Radler has not very good. I, I We talked about this a lot, too. South Carolina had a lot of confidence coming into this game because they've beaten some names, right? They beat Kentucky, which Kentucky is starting to not look like a very good team. They beat an A&M team that is starting to not look like a very good team. But coming into the year, A&M and Kentucky were two pretty big, big names coming into the year. So they got a little bit of confidence with that. If you can, If they were able to stifle the confidence of South Carolina and look like the better team on the field, necessarily I don't even think that really looked close that Missouri looked like the better team on Saturday I I think if those teams play 10 games they both probably win five you know they they're real similar teams I think Missouri is better defensively I'm not sure they're any better offensively I think they're pretty similar you know the quarterback stats coming into that game were almost identical for the entire season so I think they play 10 times they probably split five to five Saturday was one of Missouri's days, you know, and that's that's the difference between being an eight and four and a four and eight team is just win the games that could go either way. Auburn is a game. You play that team 10 times. You're going to win somewhere between four and six. Florida's probably the same way. They'd gone zero and two up until this one. You know, they 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 won that one. So that's good. Now they have another one that. I know we'll talk about it later. I think it's similar this weekend. I think Kentucky's a little better than those other teams, but by no means do you look at anybody except Tennessee on Missouri's schedule and say, well, that's out of the question. And we've talked about, we talked about this last week with the South Carolina game and we were like, things are always kind of weird and uh, they weren't super weird this weekend, but Kentucky is the same. Like those games are, most of them are decided by less than 10 points. So you just really never know what's going to happen there. And I'm glad we have them at home. I will say that. Yeah, I think that that'll be big as well. So we know Mizzou doesn't play phenomenal on the road. This is probably an anomaly when we talk about Missouri and road games is them playing well against South Carolina on the road. They ran the ball very well too. Looking at the rushing stats, Cody Schrader, dude was a workhorse on, on Saturday, ran hard, ran downhill, 22 carries, 81 yards and a touchdown. Brady Cook, second leading rusher, 53 yards on 11 attempts, uh, one touchdown between some, design runs, some scrambles like that. As we talked about, Brady's decision-making was a lot better, I think, in this game and really the big difference maker. Uh, Gabe, I'm curious. They had a change at right guard. I don't want to try to pronounce his name uh, because if if I'm just reading it, I'm going to butcher it. But they had a change at right guard. I'm curious if you thought that had any impact on the offensive line as a whole. It's hard to plug one guy in and say, okay, yep, that's the change. But the offensive line did look better. Yeah, EJ and Doma Ogar replaced Mitchell Walters, and they did look better. And he's one of those guys that personally I've been saying, can't get a look? Like, why can't we see what he can do? And I'm not saying that to say, see, I'm really smart, and I knew that putting him in. uh, But uh, I I also thought that just watching the game, and I'm going to ask Eli something along these lines tomorrow, but just watching the game, that game plan looked different to me. The outside zone was was mostly gone. It was Cody Schrader, take the ball and run forward. You know, it was, uh, I thought Brady Cook made better decisions on the zone reads, but we saw Luther Burden in the backfield a few times. We saw the entire, like, first quarter and a half was basically swing pass left to Dom Lovett, swing pass right to Dom Lovett, and that's great. Like, that's what this team does well, and it worked. And then when that happened, South Carolina came up, and then what do we do? We throw Dom Love at 47 yards downfield. You know, I thought the game plan looked different. I thought that looked like, yes, the line I'm sure played better, but I think Eli helped them too. And there's two ways to go with that. Like maybe they're just kind of coming into their own and they figured it out. And I'm sure there are some people out there going, no, where was that at Florida uh, or against Florida? Where was that, you know, earlier in the season? And 
I don't know. Maybe the guys weren't ready for it. Maybe he figured some things out, whatever. They figured it out. Good news. Well, when you do that so many times too, and like they kept giving the ball, like you said, to Dom Love it, and he's getting the edge, then the defense is protecting that more. And I feel like that was what was really allowing our run game to be as good as it was. And I mean, you saw it multiple times. Like I re- when I watched the game, they, the South Carolina defense didn't know where the ball was. I would say at least three or four times. I mean, they were three tacklers on Cody Schrader one time and he didn't even have the ball. So I think they did a really good job at that. I think too, that when when you talk about the, just kind of the game plan like that, it does make it easier on the offensive line where you're like, okay, we have to pass block for maybe two seconds. If that, to get a swing pass out there and we were going downhill and running the ball. Like those are basically your two schemes. And when you say, okay, we're going to simplify it. This is going to be it right here. That makes it a whole lot easier. And if you're running the ball a whole lot, those defensive ends, those linemen aren't going to pin their ears back and get after the quarterback as quick when you are going to throw that deep ball to Dom Love it. So I think, I mean, we, we've been talking about this on the podcast, right? All year uh, that like, just all you got to do is just like, get the ball out in space, get it out quick, run the ball, running the ball had seemingly worked very well against the South Carolina team. Um, and I think that that's kind of exciting. I'm probably, I don't want to get too excited, right? Cause I don't want to get my hopes up about the offense, but it looked, it looked competent and it looked good. It was a good look and that's exciting for what is to come. I think they leaned into who they are and yeah. this is who I thought they were a month ago. Um, but before the season, Drinkwitz made a lot of comments about, I got to avoid this bunker mentality. I got to, you know, let them throw the ball, cut it loose. This team can't do that. And they've right. proven they can't do that. Um, Luther can't hang on to the ball. Nobody but Lovett consistently gets open. Brady's not super accurate. So what do you do in that case? You understand we've got a lockdown defense. Now, are they going to hold Tennessee to 17? Probably not. But they've held almost everybody else to, you know, mid twenties, uh, maybe even less than that. So, you know, if we can find a way to get 17 points and not give them seven, we're going to have a chance to win the game. That's all you need. You don't have to go out there scoring 40. And some fans are probably thinking, well, isn't it a little bit concerning that we're 30 games in and it's still basically hand the ball off, throw short passes, punt and hope. And yeah, that is, I'll I'll be honest, it's a little discouraging, but would you rather have the coach realize that and do it? Or would you rather have him continue to trot them out there again and ask them to do something they can't do? Right. Yeah, Brady Cook's never going to be a quarterback that's going to put up 40 points. He's not a Chase Daniel, a Drew Locke. It's just never going to be that way. But like we said before, I would rather win 23 to 10 than lose like the we have been losing yes and i and i think a part of it is too is you have to realize what you are as a football team as you mentioned gabe i think drink you you can kind of gather that maybe drink is starting to realize that they've got a good kicker too so you just got to get you know within the 40 yard line don't get get too close though don't get too close (laughs) or right or okay he he makes the 12 foot putts but the three foot putts are a problem at what point do you like, are you within like, so say you're in the red zone within 10, it's like a fourth and goal and you're like, okay, but it's a fourth and long goal, right? What point do you say, all right, let's go for it instead of trotting him out there. Or do you just keep trotting him out there just because maybe he's got the yips, yeah. maybe just something he's working through. He's been good enough that I think you keep trotting him out there, but you know, I would be interested if they get in a situation where say they're up seven and they're at the nine yard line, do you then maybe think about going for fourth and two when you wouldn't where it's not going to maybe not getting it isn't necessarily going to lose you the game, you know, it's just, right. but it's, I, I won't say it's a problem, but it's a thing at this point in time. Yeah, I know. I feel like we talked so much early in the season about like how lucky, how lucky we were. And now I kind of feel like the Alabama's of the mid 2010s where, you know, they didn't have a kicker to save their life, but you know, they could still always score. So I feel like now (laughs) we're kind of feeling a little bit that way. And I just don't know if it's a a physical thing with him, if it's a mental thing with him. I, it's got, I think it go downhill. 
like that. I mean, he's made so many 21 yard kicks. It has to be something mental. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's probably in his head, but I, and I wonder if, you know, there's a difference between the 21 yarder, like you're supposed to make that every time, right? When right. you go out there for a 51 yarder, there's no, like nobody really expects you to make it, even though he's made it a bunch of times, you know, I mean, there's still, if you miss it, nobody's going to crush you for it. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's it or what, but it, up until, well, definitely up until the Auburn game, but really even up until probably last week, I would have felt very confident. If you're down two points and you get to the opposing team's 30-yard line, you're going to win the game if you're Missouri. Right. I don't know that I feel all that confident in that right now. And I it's, think it might affect the way you, you call plays at some point. It's definitely interesting. I'm glad that you brought that up because I had people like tweet at me. I think it was right after they got the fumble. It was, I think that was right after half Spencer rather dove for it. They got the fumble. Mm-hmm. And that's when he missed the, the 21 yarder. And I tweeted out. Someone was like, it seems like they're playing to lose the game. And I was just like, they're playing not to lose. And I was like, well, I mean, I don't fault them for trotting out their all preseason, all American kicker, but the play calling wasn't phenomenal. It's almost like, all right, we've got a preseason All-American in our back pocket here. We can just run the ball three times and see what happens and see if we sneak into the end zone. They weren't trying to actively go for the end zone, which is another thing. It's just like, and I think the play calling, you bring that up. I think it's a great point. I think that does kind of impact the play calling. Sometimes you're like, okay, if we bring this guy out here from 25, is he going to hit or is he in his head too much? Um, do we need to try to t- do a couple strikes at the end zone before we, we bring him out there? Or do we need to get closer or maybe take a sack and bring him farther? So just think about <laughs> here's, here's the tough part of being a play caller though, because I, I, I said the red zone play calling to me looked a little like a coach that still didn't trust his offense and his quarterback. Yeah. But what if Brady cook throws a pick, you know, what people are saying, what are you doing? What, why yeah. are you throwing there? Yeah. You know, I mean, there's no winning in, uh, unless it works. Yeah. How goes? And fans are never and fans are never happy. But we also have to remember too that the only reason you know, and everybody's like, "Oh, we should have beat Georgia. We should have beat Georgia." The only reason we were even close to beating Georgia was because of Harrison Nevis. I mean, uh, we couldn't, you know, we were on the one yard line and we couldn't score. So it's it's easy for us to you know to criticize them, but we also have to remember games like that and be like, okay. You're also just 22 or however old he is. Can, can we also talk about should have versus could have? Because I got a lot this week of Missouri should be six and two or seven and one. Well, no, you should have beaten Auburn. Definitely right. should have beaten Auburn. You could have beaten Georgia and Florida, but they played better than you in the second half and you didn't. So that's like, if you're saying Missouri should have beat Florida, then it's just as easy to say, well, South Carolina should have beat Missouri. That's kind of like, well, yeah, if you played a perfect game, probably you would have, but that's not how it works. So I think there's a difference between, and I think it's really hard. I, I don't know when this, maybe it's always been this way, but like, do you guys find yourself after your team loses a game, all you want to talk about is the way your team blew that game not the way the other team maybe managed to win the game. You know, so so there's a lot of, we should have won that game. But the only game Missouri should have won that it didn't was Auburn. The other ones it could have, but mm-hmm. they didn't play well enough. I feel like you see that all the time, actually, in almost every yeah. fan base. And even reading the comments yeah. Yeah. Um, this week or the last few days on for South Carolina Twitter, it's the same thing. I mean, you know, yeah. they're all – they're all saying Mizzou didn't beat us. Like we beat ourselves. So I mean, <laughs> and the only game I can honestly truly say that we beat ourselves was that Auburn game. I mean, yeah, you make yeah. a field goal and you don't fumble the ball. Like you win the game. I mean, there's no other way to look at that, <laughs> to look at that. And one. those, right. But like you look at the Florida game. Well, if we don't throw a pick six and we don't, well, yeah, but that wasn't like some freak thing that's never happened <laughs> before. You know, you pick sixes do that every now and then. Well, I'm guilty too, because I was like, oh, you know, if they call that hands to the face, they don't get that 40 yard, whatever. I I mean, it's almost like human nature as a sports fan to look at. Yeah, it's not a Missouri fan thing. No, it's just like, yeah, it's just a a fan thing in general. And I'm just as guilty of it. And I do need to step back and, you know, sometimes look at it. But then there's times like that Auburn game that completely (laughs) like justify your feelings and. Yeah, it's hard being a sports and, fan. And yeah, like that one was kind of its own category. 
right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, they should have <laughs> yeah. won that game. There's no arguing that. I had thoughts the other day of going back and watching that game, and I said, why do I want to put myself through that? I'd skip, obviously, the third well, quarter and the fourth quarter because if, it wasn't I, I good. mean, if you want to watch that game, just go on YouTube and look up punting. That, <laughs> that's the game. You'll yeah. see everything. Just three and out after three and out. Yeah, I was looking at uh, Harrison Mevis's numbers from this year. 15 of 20, uh, so it sits at 75% on the year. Um, it's just some weird I, – I just think it's been weird. Um, all of his misses, I was trying to see if I could find that on Mizzou's website. It doesn't look like they have it uh, where I'm looking. Four, I'm I like, know four of them are inside of – I think inside of 40, and one is from 50-something. But, like, he, okay. this is That's the most kicks he's ever missed in a season. Yeah, it he, is. He's been... never missed more than four in a season. And he had never missed two in the same game until he did it this year. You know? right. And I mean, he almost missed two on Saturday. <laughs> he got, yeah. I mean, he yeah. hit the goalpost and then bank. that other one, I mean, that other one was like The, this, the 51 so. yarder was amazing because it was like the hook that turned into a slide. Like South Carolina fans were cheering because they thought yeah. it was, he, he yeah. missed it. It's, that's kind of the same thing. When I watched the broadcast view, of the 21 yarder i thought he made it a, a, like originally because of way the way because he like snuck it behind the post mm-hmm. um because that's the his ball was moving that way i don't know if it was the wind uh there but his ball was definitely moving that way and so like it hit the back of the net is like through the uprights so i was like sick he made it and then they're like no good and i was like wait what happened um so it was one of those like double take ones but we did get to see gabe you mentioned it a little bit ago and i, and I kind of want to talk about this we got to see luther in the backfield a little bit i believe he took a wildcap snap but he immediately gave it to brady cook which i thought was kind of interesting um but i think we need to see more of luther in the backfield i want to see that luther wildcat back in action um yeah because it was so fun what? it was so Can- fun Hey, can you drive to Kansas and see if you can get me odds on Luther Burden throws a pass against Kentucky? I will. Because, like, I think that's what we're. I think that's what's being set up. Yeah, Um, I'm sure that'll be a prop once we get closer to uh, closer to Saturday. Um, That will be on there, and I will make sure that I find that odd. So I will. Do we do do we know if he has an arm that's capable of throwing one? I mean, he's. I mean, an athlete, but. Yeah, I don't I've never seen him throw, but he's he because after the opener, we asked him if he could throw and he said yes. Now, I'm sure he wouldn't say no, but (laughs) I I just think, okay, we saw him in the backfield. We saw that little wildcat snap like coaches do these things and they run the wildcat in week one against Louisiana Tech. You know, I'm like I always remember Gary Pinkle always used to run fake field goals and fake punts in games. They were head by like three touchdowns against, you know, Northeast Louisiana state. And I'm like, yep. why are you doing that now? Well, you're doing that now because cool. it's, it, it puts it on film and it sets up something that you do differently in week 10. You know, I mean, you, you run the bubble screen 14 times against five different teams so that this weekend you fake the bubble screen and somebody goes deep and you've got a wide open 60 yard pass because as soon as they see the bubble screen, they think that's what you're doing because that's what you do every week. Right. Well, if we have any Kentucky fans uh, watching our podcast, which we likely will, um, <laughs> based on the all opposing the South Carolina fans. fans. Love us. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. Um, please don't tell your coach. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I want to be clear, like, this is just me, like, rambling <laughs> on the internet. Eli Drinkwitz does not share his game plan with you. No. Share um, game. It's a it's a it's a shame he doesn't. Um, yeah. But they do take on Kentucky. We can talk about that game now, unless you guys have anything else you want to talk about South Carolina. Um, I think we I think we got the best of that game. The only thing I wanted to say about the South Carolina game is uh, so the announcers of the game. I don't know if it's if there's like a lack of preparation or what it is. But the amount of things that they said, like, incorrectly, I don't think Luther Burden was, like, ever called Luther Burden. I think he was called every other name. Um, he, uh, I think he was called Mookie mm-hmm. Cooper a time or two. He was, <laughs> I'm just like. The, the best was Ennis Rackestraw. Oh, Rackestraw. That was my favorite put, moment of the whole I put year. that in my notes. And then they kept calling Marshawn Lloyd, Marshawn Lynch. And I'm like. Well, uh, that's understandable, <laughs> though. I get that. But is it, though? I mean... A little bit. <laughs> I listen to the games on mute, so I have I have no idea um, what what was going on because I usually watch 
several games at the same time, but like that one's on the big one. I don't listen to like any sound for any of the broadcasters because I just think sometimes college broadcasting is hit or miss to say the best, um, to say it nice. So I don't listen with any sound. So I had no idea that that happened um, until you just said it. Yeah, I will also say this sitting in similar positions to where they sit. It is so much easier to see what's going on on TV than it is sitting a hundred yards above the field, you know, and I know they have spotters and they watch monitors or they have binoculars, but like, there's a lot of times where we're all sitting in the press box going, wait, who made that tackle or who caught that ball or who recovered the phone. And we have to watch the TV replay to have any idea. Cause you're so far away that, you know, a three looks like a five and yeah. I, they all kind of look the same from a distance. I mean, I can tell the difference between the fat guys and the skinny guys, but that's really about it. <laughs> you and can that's tell his offensive line or right. who's, who's Cody Schrader. Generally, yeah. <laughs> right. And I can tell why... who's the kicker and who's the holder, you know. <laughs> it's the most important part. And typically, uh, you might not be able to tell the difference, but on Mizzou's right. team, you can tell the difference. Yeah. You can't tell the difference. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So let's move on to this Kentucky game. Kentucky opened up as two-point favorites. The line has now moved to two and a half already. Um, in favor of the Wildcats, 11 a.m. kick again um, and Columbia. They also had an 11 a.m. kick announced for the Tennessee game, which makes, Gabe, I believe you tweeted this out, six out of their first ten games, um, 11 a.m. kickoffs. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's great for me. I love it. I understand why fans would be irritated by it at this point. Like, But also, just win more games, man. I mean, that's that that's the answer. Uh, I, I did text with my friend that covers Georgia. Georgia is playing its first night game of the season this week, by the way. So, oh, wow. You know, oh, home, home night game. Yeah. Well, I feel like that was, I think, I mean, first we, night game at all. No, they put, we were, they played was us it at night. night here. Yeah, okay. they put, yeah, yeah, they played us at night. Um, yeah, the, the early games are a little, they're rough for me, but I'll just go up on Friday and it just is what it is. I found out I got friends that live in I Columbia think. still, so I can stay at their house. <laughs> I, like, there you go. I think Missouri will have a pretty good crowd. Probably they have the last couple. I, you know, I mean, I think people are interested at this point. They're four and four. It's a competitive game and a series that even though Missouri's lost more of them than they've won, they've generally been pretty good games. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that that's, they do have that working in their favor. They have, uh, Uncle Mo, a momentum on their side. Um, and I think that's really big. We talked about last week of confidence with, with South Carolina. Zoo probably gathered a little bit of confidence in getting that top 25 win, winning a trophy. That's a big deal. Uh, Drinkwitz made that a big point about if there's something physical to play for, we want to win he, it. And he should just it. like have like one of his daughters should just make a trophy for every game, right? At, in like high in elementary school art, like bring it home. Yeah. This is the Mizzou Kentucky trophy. And then he can be like, that's what we got a trophy to play for this week. 
if it works it works that's all I'm <laughs> right <saying. Exactly. laughs> it works it works um uh, no so this game is big i i've been doing this all year guys you know this drill by now i'm gonna start counting games i'm gonna say missouri needs to win one of the two between these two teams and so we're penciling in new mexico state all right they're bad um they beat some team that they shouldn't have beat this week don't ask me why I'm following New Mexico State football at this point, but I am. Um, but they're not a good team. Mizzou should beat them. That is a should beat, not could yeah. beat. Um, so let's look at the next three with Kentucky. Possible possible W. We'll dive into that a little bit more. Tennessee, they're not going to beat Tennessee. Um, Probably not. Arkansas is looking like a possible W as well, um, depending on which Arkansas team shows up, um, which who knows at this point. But it's looking like they're gonna have to win one of those three to get bowl eligible. Be big for I think this week's the easiest of the three, the most winnable of the three. Um, and and I think you know, you're talking about confidence. I think the biggest thing that happened last week was that the offense scored 17 points in the first half. Uh, because I thought last week might be the week where the dam just broke on the Missouri defense where they just kind of couldn't keep it up. And that didn't happen largely because the offense gave them support in the first two quarters. And so they went into halftime feeling like, all right, you've already got a 17. Like that should be enough for us to win the game. And they played really well. So now I think you've got a team that's looking at a bowl game, feeling decent about itself. It's got on, on film an offense that is capable of giving support. I think the defense is locked in now. And and so I, I don't fear anymore the, you know, breakdown and the meltdown and the finger pointing that I thought maybe was possible a week ago. And probably actually happened a, a week ago. Oh, probably. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that likely, <laughs> likely happened. Uh, so you were Fair. probably spot on. I agree that I think that Kentucky is probably the most um, likely to be a win. I don't want to count out. Arkansas just because I mean they play they play Liberty this week you never really know (laughs) with Liberty but I think that Arkansas will get their bowl this week so I'm not really sure how bad they're gonna want to win if we don't win if we don't beat Kentucky I could still see us winning that game because I think our guys will want it more but we just need to take care of Kentucky and not even have to worry about it absolutely well and honestly, I think they're going to go to a bowl game regardless at this point. Because somebody pointed out to me yesterday, they have a top 30 APR. That probably means they're pretty close to the top, the front of the line of five and seven teams. Now, look, it's the difference of like the quick lane bowl in Detroit and an actual like semi bowl. But, you know, I think they'll probably go if they don't lose out. Do I have to follow through on my bet to go to a bowl if they don't win six games? Because I feel like that's – I feel like Wait, I agreed what, I would what, go if we what win What was six... the statement that you said, that you would go to a bowl game? You said you would go to the Gasparilla Bowl, I know. No, I said the Birmingham – yeah, is that – I said the Birmingham Bowl. It's Birmingham. Because – only because okay. I said – I thought that that would be, like, the most likely that we would get into. But okay. I, I feel like – I. If, if you only didn't... be if we win six games. Like, I feel like if we win five games and they put us in a bowl, then it shouldn't count. Well, if you didn't, I don't remember exactly what you said. If you had said, I will go to a bowl game no matter what, I think you would have to go. But you I'll said you'd go to the Birmingham Bowl. So if they somehow get Birmingham Bowl at five and seven, I think you're still obligated. But I don't think that's a likelihood. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll have to run the tapes. Yeah. We'll I did see check. one. I did see one possible prediction that said uh, Missouri-Miami in the Birmingham Bowl. Now, look, the the Birmingham Bowl can't really be very interesting, but that would at least be somewhat interesting. I'm quickly Googling Missouri Bowl projections to see if anyone (laughs) has Missouri projected in a bowl. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of them. Some people have them in the Frisco Bowl. Uh, A couple people have them in Las Vegas, which I think would require getting to seven and five. But that's what I predicted before the season: seven and five in the in the Vegas Bowl. Yeah, Um, I'll commit to covering that one. They go to Vegas. (laughs) The one I'm looking at uh, from uh, CBS Sports right now has Missouri versus Fresno State in the Frisco Bowl. Yeah, Um, would not cover. West pool team versus pool team. That is in Dallas, Texas, is what they say. I'm not sure what stadium. It's in in Frisco, Texas. Yeah. 
yeah, all the same. Um, I was actually I looked up their F their uh API, they're tied for 27th. Um, so they're up. I did, I would not have guessed that, I really would not have. Um, so I mean, APR is kind of like quarterback rating, it's a weird number that nobody really knows how to figure out. So they're previous, they're at 983 right now, previous APR ranked tied for 49th. So they've jumped up, um, in the APR. Uh, ranking so good for Mizzou. Uh, we're hopefully we got a bowl game. Listen, I've been lobbying for a five and seven bowl for probably since the K State game. I think that I've been lobbying for a five and seven bowl qualifier. Um, <laughs> and I mean, your, your hopes were very low. <laughs> if you set your if you set the bar low enough, that's all. That's all I've been doing this whole season, just setting the bar just low enough that it keeps me coming back. But I mean, I don't know. This is winnable. I think Kentucky, it's weird because Kentucky lost to South Carolina. I think Kentucky's a better team than South Carolina. Um, but I, I looked this up. So they are tied. Missouri and Kentucky are tied for 97th in the country in scoring offense. Kentucky is 21st in defense. Missouri is 30th. Uh, the over-under is 46. I think, like, if you get to 21 points, you're winning this game, I think. Right? Yeah. To race to 21 Missouri's defense. Yeah. I feel confident if Missouri, if Missouri scores 21 points, I feel confident in their defense to stop them. Um, and that's kind of where it's, where it's at is like uh, flip side. If Missouri's defense gives up 21 points, you're going, well, I don't know how will they win this game. Exactly. That's, it's going to be big to, to try to force turnovers on, on Will Levis because I think he had three interceptions Last weekend, threw for 98 mm-hmm. yards. It was a very ugly day for the Kentucky Wildcats. And granted, they were playing Tennessee. Tennessee isn't known for their defense, though. <laughs> They're definitely a high-powered offensive team. So, I mean, if Tennessee can hold Kentucky, I, for the first time, might pick Mizzou to get one of these I, Ws. Well, and, I, I mean, Kentucky's thing is – they generally run the ball really well. And I think they still run it pretty well, but I think Missouri fans probably have nightmares about Chris Rodriguez running through them last year. I, that shouldn't be a big fear this year. I mean, nobody has Florida ran the ball really well in the second half against Missouri. Mm -hmm. But other than that, like they've been pretty good against the run. Yeah. Chris Rodriguez, I think had Mm -hmm. just 64 yards um, against Tennessee and so you can look at that stat you can be, you know, you can say, oh, he didn't play very well or whatever. But just like two or three weeks ago, he ran for 197 yards and two touchdowns against Mississippi State. So you still you still can't count him out, especially in a game where I think, was it Martez uh, that said during um, SEC Media Days how big that this game is and how much they, they care about this game or this rivalry. So, yeah. you know, you're, you're hoping that, our A team shows up. It's also nothing I, normal about Kentucky and Missouri games as well. So I don't expect anything normal to happen during these games, um, which is not, that's not groundbreaking analysis. It's just, it just feels like every time they play something weird happens. Yeah. I'm well, not looking one forward team... to seeing the, the, the meme of uh, the Kentucky player on the ground and all of the Mizzou players mocking them. I feel like we're going to see that at least like 78 times this week. I, I think this could be like that game. That was the game two years ago where I Missouri had the ball for like 42 minutes. And I think Larry Roundtree had 612 carries in that game. And it was just Roundtree for four, Roundtree for four, Roundtree for three. Okay, let's do it again. And they just, I, I mean, I think the number was Kentucky ran 36 plays in that game. Uh, you know, they just never had the ball and Missouri beat them 20 to 10. Like I could see one side doing that whichever i could see both sides doing that to be quite honest it's what we did to south carolina we completely controlled the clock in that game mm-hmm. i mean the first um not the first drive i guess we went three and out our second drive i mean it was great if we can do that every drive <laughs> i think we went like 96 yards for the touchdown took mm-hmm. i don't know six seven eight minutes off the clock i mean if we control the clock we can win that game and i think i think this game's big because I think the series is big for Missouri in that you're ahead of Andy, right? You've beaten South Carolina four years in a row. So generally you're probably a little bit ahead of them. So right now, and 
I don't know, Florida's weird. I'm not sure where to put Florida in the whole thing. But right now you're kind of battling Kentucky and Florida for, okay, who can be that third team to maybe put themselves in position in the end? I'm not talking about right now, just year after year. Who can put themselves in position to be that best team outside of the top two, right? To to maybe position yourself for a run. And Kentucky's that team. Like I know Missouri fans go, well, we want to catch Georgia or we want to catch Tennessee. But first you got to catch Florida and Kentucky. Mm-hmm. That's where things are at right now. If you're looking at the SEC standings, uh, they're in a tie for third. Literally. Right. But uh, they are at third right now. Um, according to what my Google tells me, they're in third uh, in the SEC East, and we all know that that is law. Uh, what I was looking at here is I, w- I wanted to compare these two quarterbacks just kind of like passing numbers-wise because going into the season, Will Levis was like a big deal as a quarterback, right? And it, his numbers have not really shown that. 1,700 passing yards on 68% completion. Um, it looks like Brady is, uh, they don't have his passing percentage right here, but 1600 yards on 145 of 222, uh, seven interceptions for Brady to eight interceptions for Will Levis with 13 touchdowns. Obviously he has the edge in touchdowns with Brady only having six, but numbers wise, it's been a rough year for Will. Probably because he puts mayonnaise in his coffee, and it just probably has you not. Hasn't hasn't. No, he showed it. I <laughs> I know, but I don't believe he does that regularly. I think that was a bit for social media, right? Nobody does. I that. hope. I hope it was for his own <laughs> safety disgusting. and his own sake that I hope that he doesn't regularly do that. But Ugh. I I think he became a thing because of the mock drafts and all that. Mm-hmm. The NFL mm-hmm. draft people say he's a first rounder, and we make this mistake. That doesn't mean he's the best college quarterback. I mean, I, I think pretty much everybody would say the two best quarterbacks in the NFL right now are Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Right. I don't know that either one of those guys was a great college court. I mean, I remember when Josh Allen was drafted where he was, I said, thank you. Buffalo's never going to be a factor now. Right. right. Because mm-hmm. I just went based off it. Well, it's two different games and they just it's about situations and what's around you and also the nfl like if you need a quarterback you panic and take guys in the first round i mean mitch trubisky becomes the number one overall pick because well i don't know we need a quarterback and there's not really a great one but we'll take this guy because maybe he'll be great and i feel like will levis has benefited from that a little bit i mean he is not cj stroud or bryce young you know now that doesn't mean he's not a good quarterback and maybe he'll be a great NFL quarterback, but he's a like above average college quarterback so far, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's as good as Hendon Hooker is. I think Hendon Hooker's really come right. onto the scene these last, this last year. Um, I don't think going into this year that people really talked about Hendon Hooker as a, as a top legitimate draft pick as a quarterback, but he's really played himself into that. Uh, going back to Brady Cook's percentage, I did the math real quick. It was 65. So he's at 65. Will Levis at 68. Um, it's, it's interesting. I think it's really – this matchup is incredibly interesting. We talked about, I think, before we started recording that. Uh, I, I've been saying if Will Levis doesn't play, I think Missouri has a real shot to win this. Will Levis is probably still going to play, and I still think Missouri has a real shot to win. I don't think it really is going to matter all that much. Um, so uh, if you guys are ready, we can predict this game if you'd like. Okay. Let's I want to go last because I don't really know. Okay. I'll figure it out while you're would talking. You, would you rather do against the spread or – score i feel like a two-point spread <laughs> like it's i'm not gonna pick somebody to cover win. that i don't think is gonna win <laughs> yeah that's fair um okay so i'll start i think missouri is going to win this game and i think that uh they can take the momentum from south carolina into this they have shown a competent offense i think they're gonna run the ball a lot i think they're gonna keep the ball on the ground with cody schrader to kind of open some stuff up on the sides like we talked about uh, earlier, and I think the defense shows up. It's at home. It is 11 a.m. kick, but I mean, nothing beats a, that that environment. If the, if the zoo is packed and the zoo is rocking, I have no doubts that this will be a Mizzou victory. It's going to be a close game, though. I think it's like a I think it's a 24-21 victory uh, for the Missouri Tigers. Thank you, Harrison Beans. <laughs> so, um, completely agree. I think Mizzou for some reason is going to want this game a little bit more. I think that they're kind of, I think Kentucky's running on fumes and I think Mizzou might be running on momentum right now. 
I'm also going to say 24, but I'm going to say 24-17 Mizzou. I... People listening to this should want me to pick Kentucky because I've been wrong on Missouri virtually all year long. Um, I pick Missouri. I'm going to go 17, 16, and they're going to win it because at some point they block a field goal. See, now I feel like you're just having fun now. (laughs) I enjoy it, but no, that's, I mean, like the, 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 the bet in this is the under, I just don't see this game getting to 46 points. Absolutely. I had it pulled up. Missouri's hit the under, I think, in almost all of their games this season, besides the Kansas State game, which Kansas State single-handedly beat the over um, (laughs) in that game. So it doesn't necessarily count. Just like Probably did that again last week, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. um, Get up, pull it up real quick here. Yeah, it is the under. The under at uh, Furrow Field is one and three, or is three and one this season, the under is. Um, So... 43 points is what that's set at this year or this year, this week. Um, Mizzou is two and three in the last five against Kentucky. Um, don't have all the good fun nuggets out yet just because it is just a little early in the week um, with all of that. But the under in Mizzou's last five is five and oh. So there you go. All right. I also just, it, this thought occurred to me this morning. I know that this is, we're talking about this all from the Mizzou perspective. I think this is kind of big for Mark Stoops um, because look like he's in, his job is in no danger at Kentucky, right? He has built that thing into something that it hasn't been literally since bear Bryant. But if you backslide a little bit and you know, you start losing to Missouri and or South Carolina regularly, like I kind of start to wonder if he's got a little bit of, Hey, Matt Campbell, maybe you should have taken a different job when you like, I think he's hit the ceiling at Kentucky, right? I don't think he yeah. can get better than where he got it a couple years ago. And once you get to that point, it's pretty hard to maintain that. Well, and you know, these jobs are popping up. Jobs like, <laughs> yes, the, Ob- <laughs> jobs like the Auburn job that opened, uh, you know, about a couple of hours ago um, from this live uh, broadcast. So. John, yeah. John Cohen fired, uh, like literally the first thing he did. I don't even think he had signed the contract before he signed, before <laughs> he fired Brian Harson. It was, it was literally like John Cohen officially the Auburn AD. And then like 43 minutes later, it was Brian Harson out as Auburn head football coach, just had to hire the AD and let him make that assessment on his own. He uh he didn't even get his office fully unpacked before he made that decision. Um, he may not have been in the office yet. <laughs> he I mean, may have just stopped cool. by Harson's on the office on the way down the hall and been like, "Yo, Brian, dude, you gotta go, man." This <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we talked about it. Uh, Auburn's paying a lot of money thirty five million dollars in terms of buyouts to Malzahn and uh, and now Harson. But you're talking about uh, one of my favorite quotes that's come out of this college football season is Coach O. When he was told that his contract was getting buy, bought out, he said, tell me when and what door, and I'll be out of here. Um, so uh, shout out to those guys for getting paid to get out of town. Um, yes. That's the I, greatest job right there. It's why I want Texas a Well, there are a lot of reasons. But I want Texas A&M to lose every game the rest of this season just to test. Like, is there any possible way they would come up with $86 million to tell Jimbo to not work? There's a rich enough people down there near College Station that are Texas A&M fans that if they want that money, they will get that money. If somebody paid that buyout, I think they should be arrested and then all of their assets (laughs) should immediately be sent to a charity. Like, there are so many more things you should do with $86 million (laughs) than pay Jimbo Fisher to go back to his ranch and not work. Oh, and they're using that. They're using the, uh, you know, a lot of that money uh, in the recruiting classes. But yeah, it's not working though. Yeah, it's not yet. Don't look now, but Mizzou's having a better season than A and M. People aren't talking about that enough. I mean, A and M plays Florida (laughs) this week, and one of them's going to be one in five in the SEC. That's incredible. That's rough. Florida, I believe. Oh no, they're not. They're one in four in the SEC right now. Vanderbilt 0-4. Um, I remember when uh, at the SEC media days when they said they were going to win 12 games or something like that. His The, the Vanderbilt head coach said in a couple years they're going to be winning a bunch of games. For um, real? 
Yeah, he did say that. Did he did he mean like in the same year? Or did he just mean at some point they will win 12 games? I think he I think he's saying that like <laughs> he said within the next like couple probably years. will. It, it might take a while, but they'll win 12. <laughs> yeah, cumulatively. They've got 12 wins in them as a program. <laughs> if they play Hawaii every week, they got it. Uh they got it in the bag. That Hawaii game I think skewed a lot of people's thoughts on uh on old uh Vanderbilt. But I think that's gonna do it for today's show. Gotta to give a shout out to Charlie Hustle outfitting us with some good Mizzou stuff. If you're heading out to uh Furrow Field, make sure to grab some Charlie Hustle stuff. They got more than just Mizzou. CharlieHustle.com. Go check them out as well. I think they have a um, sale going on right now, by the way, because yes. I ordered some just last week. I know they had a free shipping one and a BOGO, so I bought like three new shirts, so you guys should do it too. Got to take advantage of the sale. Got to take advantage of the sale with them. They're so soft, comfortable shirts. Love to wear them. I was wearing my Charlie Hustle shirt out there when I was at the Mizzou Vanderbilt game, and you guys need to bully me to go to the Mizzou-Kentucky game because I'm still on the fence about it. Mizzou, I guess, does, or the Chiefs do play on Sunday night, so last time I, I did know some, I know some good tailgates. You can come tailgate with me. Last time I didn't go to a Mizzou game the day before a night Chiefs game, I got harassed. So uh, maybe I needed to change. I mean, so you're we'll going to get harassed regardless. So, you know, Very true. whatever. Very true. Um, so appreciate you guys listening all the way to the very end of this podcast. We appreciate that. Make sure to like and subscribe. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, follow the podcast feed and share it with your friends. Be a friend. Tell a friend um, about the podcast. So thank you guys for listening. We will catch you next week after a Mizzou victory. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.